Why don't we turn to Ezekiel. And uh, John, if you can bring down my microphone, please. Uh, Ezekiel, right after Lamentations, right before the book of Daniel, page 768 for me. Ezekiel chapter 44 is where we're going to begin today. So today, in many circles, is uh, the beginning of Holy Week. A lot happening. We have, obviously, Palm Sunday today. We have the first night of Passover, which will be coming on Good Friday. Uh, We have the celebration of the resurrection on Sunday. Uh, You know, someone at work was even telling me, he's like, and I don't get it, how come there's not a lot of attention on Easter, but yet there's so much attention on Christmas? It's like one of these things where we were like, kind of like in the middle of the hallway and we were going to our own classrooms. And, uh, you know, it's something that I've thought about on multiple levels. And uh, one of it is, you know, there's such celebration of the birth of the King of Kings, but really the power does not come in the birth. The power comes in the death and the resurrection. That's really where the power of it all is. Now we can argue, right, well, there's no death and resurrection if there is no birth. But really the part of celebration is his death and the resurrection that occurs, which will be uh, next week. Uh, but today, Palm Sunday, we're going to go to Ezekiel 44 in a moment, right? Um, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where the crowds will say, uh, Hoshiana ben David, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Hosanna to son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Essentially is what they're saying. Uh, but Ezekiel 44, we begin here. A prophecy that goes forth in the year 600 B.C. So we're all the way back, 600 years before the coming of Messiah. Then he brought me back to the outer gate. This is God bringing Ezekiel to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces toward the east. But it was shut. And the Lord said to me, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened, and no man shall enter by it, because the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. Therefore it shall be shut. As for the prince, because he is the prince, he may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. What we have here is a prophecy in the the year 600 B.C. uh, that is talking about the eastern gate of Jerusalem. Uh, The eastern gate gets another name in Scripture. It's known as the Golden Gate. It's going to be the actual gate that Jesus is going to enter in in the year 33. Uh, Here is an aerial shot of that locale, thanks to Google. Uh, If you take a look in the center, off to the left is the Dome of the Rock. Uh, That is the Temple Mount. That is where the temple stood. That is the temple that has been destroyed. And in the 8th century, Muslim, uh, the Muslims uh, built this Dome of the Rock. Uh, right left or west of the Dome of the Rock is known as the Western Wall. It is the most holy place uh, in Judaism, uh, excluding the Temple Mount. Um, and so this is what it looks like from uh, God's perspective, I guess, from a bird's eye view in some regards. The Eastern Gate, also known as the Golden Gate, is going to be just east 
of that platform. I wish I had a laser pointer, which I, I don't, but if you just go east and you go up towards the top of the picture, that is the actual eastern gate or the golden gate, which Ezekiel was prophesying that that gate shall be shut, no man shall enter it until the prince, the son of God, enters it. Okay? Uh, and there are two times in which Jesus will enter and has entered. The first time that he enters it, uh, it is during Palm Sunday. The next time he's going to enter it is going to be like him kind of like stepping on it, I think. Uh, that is in his second coming. Okay? So, there's our aerial view. So, this is where Palm Sunday takes place. Like, there's not a lot of room here. It's really condensed. If you take a look in the center, you got the Temple Mount. Up above, you see the little pointer says, uh, a little drop pin, actually, you call it in Google, uh, is the Golden Gate. It's synonymous to the Eastern Gate, two names. And then you have the Mount of Olives, which I have circled there. Okay? The Mount of Olives to the Golden Gate, that triumphant entry... Giving a lot of shout outs to Google today. Turns out I dropped, like, I did directions, like, if you walked from one to the other, how far is it? And actually, it's 744.38 feet. So, 744.38 feet is this distance that we're talking about. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's hanging out on the Mount of Olives. And then he's going to go down into um, Jerusalem. Uh, for the Passover. And then he's going to go to the Gethsemane again uh, later. But he's at the Mount of Olives. So here's the Mount of Olives today, circa 2018. You see, it's such a, a miraculous spot. There's actually a church that's built on the bottom. There's a church built them on top. This is from the valley looking up, up to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is hanging out before he enters. Um, here is the view on top of the Mount of Olives, looking down into the walls of Jerusalem. And if you actually see the right, if you follow the wall all the way to the right, you'll see a little like uptick in the architecture in the wall. Right there is the Eastern Gate. So here we go. I'm setting the scene. Jesus is on top of this. He's looking down at the temple which would have been built then. He weeps over the city of Jerusalem saying, Oh, if only you knew what was destined for you. All of eternity has been waiting for this moment. For the Son of God to be able to enter into Jerusalem and set himself up as the Passover sacrifice. If you see uh, at the bottom of the picture here, all of those white, yellowish stones are actually gravestones. Okay? Those are gravestones. Uh, they start at $25,000. Right there, all along the Mount of Olives, is littered with Jewish graves. Graves that go back thousands of years. Why? Because it has been said that they shall be the first to rise at the coming of the Messiah. When he places his feet on the Mount of Olives and there's the resurrection, uh, the, the tradition has been those will be the first graves to awaken. So, front row seat for the coming of the Messiah is $25,000. You're allowed to laugh. It's, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's also beautiful. You know, there, there's a part of like wanting to be there. 
Uh, so what we have here is now the actual eastern gate. This is all setting the scene for Palm Sunday. So here is the eastern gate today. Uh, if you notice, it's blocked up. You actually cannot enter it. It's almost like Ezekiel is like, it shall be blocked up because the only one who can come through is the prince, is the son of God. And in the year 1520, when the a Muslim empire controls this, they actually close up the gate as a kind of defilement to the Jewish people, saying, you believe that your Messiah is going to come through that gate? Well, we're going to block it up so he can never enter in. Which was actually fulfilling Ezekiel 44, which is really crazy. <laughs> to make it even worse, what they did is, in front of the gate, they put in Muslim graves. Now you're like, okay, okay whatever, but underneath Jewish law, uh, a, a Jewish man is not allowed to enter into a graveyard because it's the place of death and it'll become unclean. So the Muslims then, they block up the gate, then they put graves in front of it to keep the Messiah, the Mashiach of Israel, to enter in. Now, if you're going through that kind of detail and effort, I, I mean, I'd be like, dude, why, well, if he's, if, if he's not the Messiah, why are you going through all this? Maybe a little slap across the face of the Jewish community. But that's what's going on. So today, it's locked up. You can't even get through it. And so this is the setting, in, in one case or not, of Jesus about to enter. He's on the Mount of Olives. He looks down into the city. 744.38 feet he has to go to fulfill destiny from Ezekiel. All of eternity has been waiting for this moment. And so, if we can show that video now, please. Thank you. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says, At the foundations of the world, the Lamb was slain. From the very beginning of the foundations of the creation of the heavens and the earth, the Lamb of God was slain in some kind of metaphysical, spiritual way. And so what this means here is for thousands of years, all of 
heaven and Jesus himself have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that entrance right there. I can only imagine the type of fear, not fear, but anxiousness that people may have been feeling. We know that the Lord was heavy burdened a little bit after this time where he says, Lord, if it is not your will, take this cup from me. But all eternity has been waiting for this because as I said in the beginning of worship, if there's no entrance, if there's no triumphant entrance of Jesus, then there's no death. And if there's no death, then there's no resurrection. The defeating of the powers of sin and death has to take place through an entrance through this gate, by Jesus. And that's why it's so intense and so awesome. We take a look at Zechariah 9.9. We start to see a little bit more of a focus of the story. Another prophecy goes forth. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Rejoice. Shout. For behold, your king is coming to you he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. What we have here is a prophecy that goes forth that the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he who bears salvation shall come and enter in through the city riding a donkey. And so what we have here is the triumphant entry of Jesus which brings redemption, that breaks the chains of sin and death, needs a donkey. What the heck is a donkey anyway? A donkey is a lowly animal. A stubborn animal. But a sure-footed workhorse, if you will. Um, Jewish people, during the time of Roman occupation they were not allowed to ride horses. Horses were for the Romans. Donkeys were for the Jews. Horses are a royal, kingly, powerful animal. The donkey is like the the laughing stock of the farm. You have someone riding a horse next to someone riding a donkey, it looks kind of silly. It isn't because donkeys were not like, you know, uh, horses were not indigenous to the Middle East. No, actually, the Arabian horse was from the Middle East and actually the horses migrated to Spain. Horses were actually originally in the Middle East. But Jewish people underneath Roman occupation and later Muslim occupation are not allowed to ride horses because horses are the things of power and royalty. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords chooses to ride a lowly, humble animal. Let's take a look look at Luke chapter 19. Start to see the unfolding, unfolding of the story. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, it says... When he said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, he at the mountain called Olivet, Olivet is the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, a baby donkey essentially, or a young donkey, 
on which no one has ever sat, loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he has said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Yeshua, Jesus, answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, even the stones would immediately cry out. So there's three things I want to draw on uh, in this little section right here. One, the donkey has never been ridden. The donkey was born for this moment. He nursed at his mother's milk. He's been tied up. He's been sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for his divine purpose and eternity in many regards. Never been ridden, which means he's never been used. Second, the donkey is going to be the vehicle that brings Jesus to the city. All eyes are on Jesus and not the donkey. The donkey quietly and humbly is this vehicle to bring Jesus unto the city. If we have the worship team come up, please. Jesus, Jesus. A donkey that's been prophesied. The book of Zechariah. A donkey that was born for one given purpose. Waited his whole life for this one moment in eternity. Felt the Lord as you're saying to us this year, Palm Sunday. The donkey is a symbol. The donkey is you. You were called from eternity into eternity to be a vehicle of Jesus to the city. All eyes are on him, no eyes are on you. We are humble and low. We wait and 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 we wait sometimes. Lord, what's my purpose? 
Your purpose is to be the vehicle of the presence of redemption and salvation into the place that you inhabit. Like a donkey, he chooses the humble. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. He chooses the humble donkey. He chooses you, us humble, us that are lowly before the eyes of the world so that you don't boast and it's not about you. We may be humble in the flesh, but we are mighty in the spirit. We may be lowly in the eyes of the world, but he raises us in heavenly places, it says. Father, I pray you just release this over the congregation right now. Just being real with you, I just feel a little blockage. little blockage. Father, I pray right now that what I'm about to just continue to preach and, and, and go for is that there would be an opening in the Spirit for it to lay. That there would be an opening in the Spirit to lay. So like the donkey, you were called from eternity into eternity to be a vehicle to bring Jesus. And like the donkey, the donkey has to be untied. Five times in this little story, five times Luke emphasizes the donkey must be untied. The donkey must be untied. The donkey must be untied. They went and they untied the donkey. Then the owner of the donkey say, why are you untying the donkey? In order to be a vehicle to bring the presence of God to the people of the earth, you need to be untied. Like the donkey... You do not untie yourself, but rather you allow yourself to be untied. You see, what happens here through life is that slowly, slowly, children don't have it yet, but adults do. Slowly, we put our own ropes around our own necks. We tie it up to the barn door. We do things to make us not be able to be fully used by God. That's what's so beautiful about children. You see them running up there, dancing, twirling, pounding on drums, clapping, doing all this kind of stuff. Because yet, as of yet, their ego and their consciousness, the things of culture, have not bound a tie around them yet. They're free. I'm just saying unto you, who wants to be used by God in this generation? Anyone? then you have to not untie. You have to allow yourself to be untied by God. Lord. 
Palm Sunday is not just a celebration of Messiah as King, but also a celebration as Jesus as your liberator. Palm Sunday is not just a celebration of Messiah as King, but it is also a celebration that He has come to liberate you. We cannot be fully committed to be used by the Lord when we are tied to things. We need to be released. And you can't do it. Because that's just striving. Now I could talk about being tied to the things of the world, which are true. We could talk about being tied to addictions and dependencies and all this stuff. But what I feel the Lord is saying to us this year is really the rope, the thing that keeps us from being used and bearing the yoke and the weight of the glory of the Lord is somehow you still think you are just any ordinary donkey. You're not. That donkey sitting in Jerusalem was born for a purpose. He was set aside for this divine appointment in all of eternity to bring Jesus into the city. You are not just any ordinary donkey. You were called for a purpose and into a purpose to bear the weight and the glory of Jesus in this generation. But in the story of Palm Sunday, no one talks about the donkey. And that's the way it should be. But this year, we're giving him a little little props. Jesus. Why don't we uh, stand for a moment? Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I never really know what the Lord is going to do. Hmm, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hosanna. 
remember being a kid just saying Hosanna, Hosanna, and no one knew what the heck it even meant. Hosanna? What does that mean in English? Hosanna. It doesn't mean anything because it's not English. Hosanna is from Hebrew. Hoshiana. 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 Na means please. Please. Hoshia. Hoshiana. Please, Hoshia. Hoshiana. Please, please, please save us. Please save us. I just feel the Lord is just saying right now. Mm. During this Palm Sunday, right now, in your heart of hearts, in your spirit, man, the Lord is saying that there is a time and a moment right now for Him to come and save you, to come and rescue you. Palm Sunday, a celebration of the coming of the King of Kings, but it's also the celebration of what the King of Kings does. He unties you. I know many of you, and I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have been untied by the chain of death. But I know you guys enough, and I know myself enough to know and understand that we haven't been untied enough to be used by the Lord the way in which He wants to use us. Do you want to be untied? Do you want to be untied? Woo! It's like boats. It's like ships. Ships are tied in the harbor. Because in the harbor, the boat is safest. But boats were not destined to stay in a harbor. They were destined to set sail upon the waters. And I feel by the Spirit of God, the blockage that was coming unto me is that there's a whole bunch of people in here that like being tied in the corral of the stall of the barn. The Spirit of God is saying and is releasing on this place right now, it is time to cut the cord. It's time to become untied. Those things that were holding you back. Well, I need to look this way at church. I need to look this way before my family. I need to look this way before my family and friends. But then there comes two disciples that says, You little donkey, you were meant to be untied. Come away with me. I am bringing you to the Mount of Olives. I'm bringing you there. And the Son of God, you are going to bear His weight and His glory. And all the other animals, all the other people sitting in the barn are looking at you like, what? This little lowly, pathetic animal, this stubborn animal is going to be used to bring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to defeat the powers of sin and death. And Jesus says, yes. Yes. Now allow me. Just allow me to untie you. 
kick at the goads. Allow yourself to be untied. So we prophetically speak that forth. If this sermon didn't really hit or make sense to some people, I'm claiming in the spirit right now that those ties, those things that we have put upon ourselves shall be cut in the spirit so that we can be released and used for his glory. Released and used for his glory. We pray against image. We pray against self-depreciation. That we're just not good enough or worthy enough to be used by Him. No, you are. You were born for this moment. We pray the Spirit of God would just come. And release the rope. Release the rope. It's nothing we can do. Simple surrender. Simple surrender. Jesus, Jesus. Let's praise Him. Come on. Let's praise Him in this house. Jesus. Hosanna. Save us, O Lord, from ourselves. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our own culture. Save us from our own image and our own thinking. Save us from the spirit of mammon and money. Save us from the slave of time. Release time now in Jesus' name. Release time in Jesus' name. Untie the yoke of time and commitments. I'm telling you, people. <laughs> God is so good. Because I know that later this week I'm going to listen to this sermon. I want to be like, what the heck? What was that, Lord? But the Lord is going to say, ha. Ah, I use that which seems to be broken for my glory. And I am telling you, as much as I can tell you, that there is a spirit right now of Palm Sunday to cry out, Hoshiana! If you feel, if you feel that somehow throughout your life there has been a tie, an emotional tie, a spiritual tie that you have made with someone or something. It's time for that to be cut. Oh, Jesus. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be nicotine. It could be you've made a holy alliance, the spirit of the world. You've made some kind of alliance with the culture that says, I'm going to just live my nice little clean, antiseptic Christian life. I'm going to play it safe. I'm just going to sit in the stall. I'm just going to sit in the harbor where it's safe, where it's comfortable. 
If that's you, there is a spirit right now of the Lord to cut that tie. It's nothing you can do. It's everything that He does for you. I want to invite you forward. Come to the altar of God. Come to the place of fire and incense. And come before Him. And we'll pray for you. For those ties, those spiritual things that need to be cut to be cut. Keep going, worship team. Keep going. I'm just going to be talking and praying with you. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is only liberation. No condemnation, only liberation. Yes. Anything that needs to be untied. Oh, Jesus. Untie us. Come on. Sharon, can I get a little more volume on the red mic, please? Come on. Time to get out of the stalls. It's time to get out of the stalls. Jesus, Jesus. This needs to be a this needs to be a church. Oh Jesus. This needs to be a church that is free. It needs to be a church that is free from every tie that tries to wrap itself around us. The tie to look like everyone else. The tie to be a church like everyone else. To try to model other things and other beings and other people. Cut the tie. Cut the tie. We're going to move into a time of prayer and worship. Feel free to stay. But service is... Oh.
ushers, if you can come on down. Frank, if you can come on down, bud. Mike, if you don't have the kids, you can come on down and help me out. Come on. Come on. We build our life. Sing out to the Lord, especially, especially if you want a cord to be broken. Come on. Spirit of God, be released in this place. Set people free into your destiny. Set them free from fear. Set them free, oh God. To be used. To be used. To bear the weight of your glory. To bear the weight of your glory of goodness, oh God. Come, come, oh God. Rend the heavens as we rend.